Luke chapter 2, and I want to read with you, beginning at verse 25, and read down through verse 35. Luke chapter 2, and may God be pleased to bless the word. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Amen. We trust the Lord will bless his own word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. This morning, I want us particularly to think on the blessing that was offered to the parents of the Lord Jesus, the earthly parents, by Simeon there in verse 34. Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against. This morning I want you to think with me on this scene and I am entitling it An Old Saint, An Old Story, and An Old Situation. Before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father in heaven, now we would pray that thou bless this time. We pray that thou use the word of God as that sword that reaches to our hearts, divides our hearts. The Lord allows there to be the application of the truth of God, that there might be again a pointing to the Lord Jesus through the word. And the Lord, may we hear what you say in this place to the good of our souls and to the equipping of our hearts to serve. Lord, bless this time. Meet with us. Lord, preach the word, we pray. Yourself, for we ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. I will introduce our subject this morning by noting this incident that occurs shortly after the birth of the Lord Jesus. Christ was, of course, born in Bethlehem, a city not far in distance from Jerusalem. The distance to travel between the two could be traversed easily in a day by most, or at the most in two days. Verse 22 of Luke 2 tells us that Joseph and Mary brought the Lord Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to fulfill the law of Moses in offering a sacrifice. The days of Mary's purification being fulfilled, the couple comes to the huge temple, complex with its numerous courts and wide-ranging buildings. Many commentators believe that beside Mary and Joseph, this moment included the company of Zacharias, Elizabeth, and the young John. The point to be impressed on us is that this was a small and virtually invisible group among the thousands that could possibly be in that place at any given moment. The confusion of that place must have been nearly overwhelming and certainly would be easy to lose track of one another if separated. Yet to this place, the Lord brought an old saint named Simeon. How old was Simeon? We're not told. Was Simeon in good health and strong for his age? Or was he enfeebled by his many years? Likewise, we are not told. How long did Simeon have to search among the throng that filled the place for the small group that included the Lord Jesus. Again, the scripture hides that fact. Are these important questions? Probably not. Yet it does relay the wonderful nature of this moment to consider a man who is near his departing day making his way through the crowd to behold the Lord's salvation. I doubt that there was any difficulty for Simeon to find the group because he was led of the Lord. Yet I do imagine it was hard for him to hide his eagerness. He had to get to the one whom he had looked for all his days. What was in his heart? as he made his way to find the babe, the parents, and those that were with them. What was his response when he finally found the Lord? What words 
would he be allowed to say to the parents that would have made it possible for him to hold the child? What would it have been like for him to gaze into the face of the baby Jesus and see the eyes of the Redeemer? Was it a moment in which Simeon's sight was impaired for his tears of joy filled his eyes? Did the baby grasp the old man's long beard and smile at the face of one in whom was the Holy Spirit, a witness between the Godhead? There is so much that we might like to have seen about this moment. But what the Holy Spirit meant for us to see is the message of our reading. It was the message that the Lord preserved. The attending aspects of the moment were allowed to pass. What is the key point made by the Lord then by Simeon's blessing? Well, I suggest to you this. The most wonderful and joyous blessings that can ever be heard are filled from start to finish with the gospel of a successful Savior. The gospel of a successful Savior. I want us to consider Simeon's words, this moment, by considering the natural parts, and I've already suggested them to you in my title. First, I want you to consider with me an old saint. An old saint. Who was Simeon? Who was he? Well, the answer to that question is that we are not told. Some, through the years, have foisted tradition on the memory of the old saint by insist insisting that he was a great doctor of the law or a priest of great standing. Others have insisted, without evidence, I will add, that he was related to the great teacher Gamaliel. Well, I will say that it is very unlikely that such a man who offered such a wondrous blessing and lived a God-glorifying life would never be referenced again if he was a great teacher or priest. Calvin and many of the reformers insist that the opposite was true of Simeon. They say that Simeon was, and to use their words, an ordinary, plain man of obscure quality. All you really could say about Simeon was that he loved the Lord and the Lord loved him. Now, I would just suggest that that's in keeping with the birth of the Lord because it should be noted that the whole of the birth of the Lord surrounded him with the plain and the lowly. Such were Mary and Joseph. Such were the shepherds and the manger in which he, they found him. 
What we are told about Simeon is that he was a righteous or just and upright man. In other words, he was without a blemish to his name among those in the world. Further, it says that he was devout. This means that the Lord and the Lord's ways were his life. That's what his life was all about. Walking with God, loving God, pleasing God. He did not wander from the Lord, nor did he want to. That is what it means to be devout. In truth. The word's assigned to many others, but in truth, that's what it means to be devout. Or can I put it in today's language? Simeon was different. He was not a man of the day. Some may say he was out of step with things. J.C. Ryle makes comment about this man and the day in which he lived. And he says, we see in the case of Simeon how God has a believing people, even in the worst of places and darkest of times. Religion was at a very low ebb in Israel when Christ was born. The faith of Abraham was spoiled by the doctrines of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The fine gold had become deplorably dim. A sad day, a dark day, even we might say tending to become a violent day. Simeon was different. And Simeon didn't mind being different, apparently. It might be noted that there were others, perhaps, in that small group to which he came and which he identified himself, that the same thing also might be said. You say, really? Yes. Wouldn't you say the same thing about John the Baptist? My point, the point for this whole review of this simple, plain, maybe uneducated man, maybe somewhat educated, but certainly not of a remarkable sort. The point is this, God uses the plain and insignificant. We ought to hear that and let it sink into our hearts. God uses the plain and insignificant. I'm only going to make a simple note here. Simeon was not used because he was plain and common. There is no power in that quality. He was not used to speak the wondrous blessing because of anything that was in him at all. The words that were spoken by Simeon were not his words, nor were they the emotions of his heart. The words that you read here in Luke 2 were the words that were spoken by the Holy Spirit through him. This is the message of God. This was the appointed message to be heard. This was the blessing that God had appointed, not only for Mary and Joseph, but for all that heard him that day. The Holy Spirit spoke through him. And let me just say this. That is always the case with the power of the gospel. No exception. 
the gospel does not have any power to reach any heart because of the quality, the character, or the ability of the speaker. It is because it is the word of God. It is because it is spoken by the Holy Spirit. It is because it is appointed by God to do the work that he sends it forth to do, and it will not return to him void. The vessels that God uses mostly are those vessels which, vessels which show the wonder of God's words the most. That's why he uses the simple and the plain and the insignificant and the weak, because they show the power of God's word the most. Now it says there in our reading that Mary and Joseph marveled at the words of Simeon. Well, let me ask you this. Was that because they, did, they had no knowledge of who Jesus was? That this was a, a moment of great revelation to them, that they were the, for the first time hearing that the Lord Jesus was to be the Savior of the world? Not for a second. No, that, they knew that. They knew that right from the very start. When Mary was told by the angel that she would be the one to carry the Lord Jesus. When Joseph was told not to fear taking Mary his wife. The words that came from Elizabeth. The things that were spoken by Zacharias. They knew these things. They knew that Christ Jesus would be the Savior. So what caused them to marvel? I think perhaps in some ways this. They hear as a prime example before them of a simple, plain, old saint led of God to speak the gospel in such a way that the Holy Ghost moves in their hearts and perhaps those that were hearing it as well. I say that here's a prime example of what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That is exactly what we're seeing here. An old saint. Just a plain old saint, as it were, led of God, the earthen vessel, comes in and speaks the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the parents look at that and say, what a marvelous thing. What a marvelous thing. My point to you this morning is this. Any heart, any heart given to Christ may be used of God. And so may it be our prayer. Along with the hymn writer, may his beauty rest upon me as I seek the loss to win. And may they forget the channel, seeing only him. Here's a powerful note to us. Few of the mighty are chosen. And if you are plain and insignificant, you are just what the Lord said he can use to the glory of his own name. Well, it's always a seemingly <coughs> a question that arises when we make a statement like this, because we always want to know, well, what do I do? You're saying that the Lord can use me. What do I do? What do you, how do you, how should I be? Well, I, I'd say Simeon is a pretty good example. And I think it's Simeon in many ways exemplifies what is said to us in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what the Lord, or what the, doth the Lord require of thee. See if this doesn't sound like Simeon. 
but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. Do you want to be used of God? It doesn't take you to be something special. What it takes is for you to be something devout. That you are given to Christ. That you are one who loves righteousness and practices righteousness. That you love the Lord and you love his ways. And you're not going to step outside. That's what God uses. So I say here, the first thing that we note is the old saint. Well, then we have to step aside and say, well, that's certainly not all the focus. No, indeed. What is the chief focus is the message, or as I am saying, the old story. Second point, the old story. In the very simplest of terms, through the Holy Spirit, Simeon offers the gospel message. He points to the person of the Lord's salvation. And he is saying, there is no other. The one that he held in his arms, he was saying to all, look to this one. Look to this one. This one named Jesus. You know, you and I might be able to do somewhat similar, though we would never hold the Lord Jesus as an infant in our arms. Certainly we might be able to say, well, I hold him in my heart. I hold him in my heart. Here's the one to look to. This one that I speak of from my heart, this is the one to look to. Well, Simeon takes the child and he starts speaking. First he says that he is going to be a light, a light that leads to life, the dispeller of darkness, reaching all the way to the outermost edges of the world, that he can be a light even to the Gentiles. It's sort of an interesting thing that when the Lord decides to send Paul among the Gentiles and the Gentiles respond that those that were the other disciples and the Jews were so amazed by that. Why would you be amazed? It's been, it was said in Isaiah that it would happen. It was said by Simeon that it would happen. But they were amazed nonetheless. He is a light, Simeon says. Also he says that he was a prepared one, prepared before the faces of all the people to be Savior. But then Simeon says this. In his blessing, he said to Mary and to Joseph, Behold, this child is set. This child is set. That three-letter word is in intensely important. He is set. That does not only mean that he was chosen or appointed. It is a far more concrete statement than that. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to have you uh, be charitable to me because I'm going to play on that word. Concrete. You know, once concrete or mortar has set, it is completely inflexible. I was sitting in here, this other room here, looking out at this building that they're making over there. And I was looking at this back wall that they put up. And half of the wall is a much darker color than the part that was over to the south of it there. A big, tall wall. And you can see 
that the mortar that was on the south part, that had dried and set. The mortar that was on this north part, they had just done this week, and it wasn't quite done. It wasn't quite cured through. But my point is, this idea of being set means inflexible. It is that which cannot be changed or moved. That is the image. The child's work and final success is set. It is not going to be something that's a maybe or, or a what if. Simeon says, this child is set for the success of the redemption of Israel. And all who will hear the words of the gospel. And I would say simply that what Simeon was saying in those words is that here is the fulfilling of the old prophecy. The old story. You say, what prophecy? Isaiah chapter 42. Let me read you a couple verses there. Behold my servant whom I uphold. Mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail, nor be discouraged, till he have set judgment in the earth and the isles shall wait for his law I the Lord have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and keep thee and give thee a for a covenant of the people for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house there it is Simeon said this child is the one who is set inflexibly by the power of God and by the choice of heaven to fulfill all that was spoken by the prophet, the old story. J.C. Ryle makes the comment, he says, every word of old Simeon on this subject deserves private meditation. In other words, you need to step back and think about this. The Lord Jesus is set to succeed as Redeemer as he succeeded. The answer is yes. Will you believe? Ah, there's the question. Here's Simeon's word, Jesus saves. And only Jesus saves. There's no other message than that. Jesus saves and only Jesus saves. There is no other that is set by the determinate counsel and decree of God to save. If you are going to be saved, you must come and embrace the Lord Jesus. You know, in some ways, Simeon himself was an object lesson to the whole truth of what he was actually saying. If you will allow... The one who will find joy in the Lord is the one who listens to the Holy Spirit obeys and comes quickly to where the Lord Jesus is and embraces him. Now, Simeon's a whole picture of coming to Christ. The old story. Jesus will succeed in all things. 
needed to save your soul. Well, the last thought, an old situation. An old situation. The whole wonder of the moment is that Simeon is allowed of God, indeed led of God, to hold the Savior. But why a Savior? Why does he say this is a Savior? Why, why is he talking about salvation? Well, the issue is that without this one, without this one that he holds in his arms, all of us would be lost. Without work that the Lord Jesus is going to do, there is no hope for any of us. Without Christ being embraced, there is no salvation. The ruin of sin has caused the need for the Savior. It's a glad moment to behold his coming, but there's also a warning in all of this. God, through Simeon, declares the awful issue. He says, as I go on from what I mentioned a moment ago, behold, this child is set, now here it is, for the falling and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Here is the simple matter. The Lord Jesus is not only to be Savior and set to be Savior, but he's also set to be the righteous judge. He will judge. There will be many that fall into condemnation and, in, and punishment that comes from sin. Christ will judge those that refer, refuse to turn from their sins. That is a very plain truth. The wages of sin is death. And there is the lion of the tribe of Judah who will act as judge. At the same time, he is set for the rising again of many. He lifts those that come to him and he saves them from the wages of sin. He makes the believer white by the washing away of sins by his blood. You say, well, this ought to be a very blessed message then, I'm sure that Simeon's words were going to be embraced by all that heard there and that those priests perhaps that were listening and seeing and observing were going to take what Simeon said and say, well, now we have to proclaim this ourselves. And Simeon said, no, not at all. He will be a sign spoken against. Do men readily come to the Lord Jesus? No, Simeon's actually saying by that word that there will be many that despise him and despise his call to faith. There will be rejection by some. There will be indifference by others, both leading to the same end. The old situation. Men are sinners under the condemnation of God for their sin. There needs to be a savior. J.C. Ryle sums up by saying this, he says, and now, what do we think of Christ? This is the question that ought to occupy our minds. What thoughts does he call forth in our hearts? This is the inquiry which ought to receive our attention. Are we for him or are we against him? Do we love him or do we neglect him? Do we stumble at his doctrine or do we find it life from the dead? Let us never rest till these questions are satisfactorily answered. 
Simeon came and he offered a blessing. Certainly this was the focus of his heart to bless those that were there with the Lord Jesus. But the message is far, far, far greater, far more expansive, for it was a message offered by the Holy Ghost and one that we need to take to our minds and hearts and think about for ourselves. And finally, I then asked the question that was asked, that needs to be asked, that needs to be written over this whole scene. What do you think of Christ? Do you have the same opinion of Christ that Simeon had? That's the way of salvation. Or no. Well, may the Lord allow us to find the Spirit of God speaking to us today, helping us to answer the same question and see the same subject in the same light. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, now we would pray that you will take the word and seal it with the blessing and the empowering of God. Lord, let it be that which is to us a reverberating message that continues with us as we leave this place. Lord, we pray thy blessing on us as we continue through thy day then. Lord, continue to let us know the ministry of our God. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.